Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. This episode is brought to you in association with Leapfrog Recruitment Consultants. Our thanks to them for their support of the show. Coming up, we'll look back on the 2022 Shaw Guernsey Marathon and hear from its organiser about what's next for the event and just how nice it was to finally put a race on in spring. Elsewhere, it's been a big week on the court in basketball and netball with titles decided in both sports. We'll get reaction from Resolution IT Greens, captain about their Premier Division netball triumph and hear from Gemma Batiste who played her part in that win just a few days after securing the women's basketball crown with Praxis Pumas. We've been catching up with her and coach Robin Smith about the great story behind their basketball journey and we'll look ahead to what else is going on this week. I'm Tony Kerr and alongside me is Rob Batiste. Hello Tony. And Jamie Ingle. Hi Tony. Great to see you both. Um, What a week. Lots going on at the moment. Um, Lots of titles being handed out as well. Um, Congratulations too to Yobos who claim the men's division one hockey title at the weekend you can read more about that at guernseypress.com slash sport um, it's also been great to see the hall at Beaux-Ajour returning to a sporting cause this week too uh, Guernsey's men's volleyball players have been taking on the British army in a three-match series uh, see some photos from that on our social channels at GSY Press Sport on Facebook and Instagram and talking of sporting comebacks we're only a couple of weeks away now Rob from the return of the Marathi Vars after the pandemic in forced hiatus and that Tony Vance has named his squad for the semi-final up in Alderney what do you make of it Rob? I like the look of it Tony to be honest it's a 19-man squad which will be whittled down to 16 for the day Um, but yeah it's a very strong team Um, and looking at that list I envisage a very very strong starting 11 particularly up front I'm very very pleased to see Danny Hale is in there as I've been said previously if he wasn't in the squad I'd boycott the Marathi that was very much tongue-in-cheek of course um Colin Fallais took me up on that one a couple of days after I announced that but no he's um I'm glad to see he's in um I can envisage a, a forward line of he and Ross Allen alongside Domio what a success story that is Domio you know just carries on year in year out shows very very few signs of diminishing capabilities even though he's much nearer 40 than he is 30 um it's a good squad some good youngsters coming through interesting to see that young jake lowe is involved and tom vodin i think jake lowe has probably got the best chance of actually starting and picking up that first marathi cap playing at um probably left back or wide left in some you know in a in a you know central four if we choose to go with a back three which i suspect may well be the case um and i'm good i'm also pleased to see the non-related nick batiste in goal um sylvan's keeper who i thought the last couple of years has had couple of really 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 strong seasons and he'll be vying with jason martin for the keeper's gloves although i suspect probably um jason has got the um the jump on Nick on that one. But nevertheless, it's good to see him get that first opportunity and um, I don't think he'll let anybody down. Yeah, congratulations to all of the players um, selected. Obviously, Guernsey going up to Alderney for that semi-final the same day as Guernsey FC's final league game in the Isthmian South Central. Um, so, yeah, Guernsey football's had to spread its resources across both, but certainly they're not taking any chances with the squad that's going up to no, Alderney. No, certainly not. But um, they are able to call on a very strong core of um St Martin's players, you know, the dominant force in local leagues alongside North, of course. And I'm, I'm delighted as well to see um, George Mason included in this 19. 
I think it'd be ideal for that trip to Mount Hale, which is a really tricky, awful place to play, um, you know. If you're a best, visitor. Uh, if you're a visitor, <laughs> you know. I'm ordinarily love it, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's... Um, it's um, it should be a good game, but oh. I think I fancy us to win that one quite comfortably in the end. We'll be back with a football podcast on Monday, talking uh, everything local football, including I'm sure some more reaction to that Marathi squad, and of course plenty of build up to the Marathi semi final and the main event in Jersey um, when it happens uh, in the middle of May. So uh, stay tuned for those Monday shows. And uh, looking back at something that's been happening, the first spring staging of the New Look Guernsey Marathon, now known as the Shore Guernsey Marathon, took place on Sunday. Jamie, you weren't in action in that one this year obviously injury uh, keeping up that which is a shame I'm sure you'll be back at some point soon um, but just fill us in on what happened because uh, it looked like a good race yeah um, yeah. as I've said a few times I did have a bit of FOMO watching that race yeah ultimately we had this Irish runner Desi Burke who was quite dominant we had a real effort from Luke Richards one of our top local runners who actually managed to stick onto him until about halfway but marathons are cruel uh, and he suffered for it eventually and he finished over half an hour adrift but great effort in him for making the line and yeah fantastic effort for Clint King to take top local runner 12 minutes behind the overall winner and the guys just behind him like sub three marathon is a lifetime goal for quite a few runners and we had five Guernsey people achieve it for the first time on Sunday yeah so kudos to those five runners who are Matt Jameson, James Travers, Ivis Kagalvis, Will Rutherford and Fabio Tellez. Yeah, interesting. Obviously, James Travers, um, uh, you know, our leading triathlete for, for so many years and yeah, clearly a, a very uh, fit man. Um, Will Rutherford as well, another name that stands out. He was co-driving and, and crashing out of the Guernsey Rally just a few weeks ago with Dale Crosley um, and back to, to run a fast marathon. So showing that he's uh, got more than one string to his bow. And kudos also to our Ireland basketball captain, as Aaron Walden. As a, I saw him out in the course on Sunday morning, plowing away, did a good time. Good on him. Absolutely. Congratulations to all the finishers. Um, there was a really nice sporting moment in the women's race as well. Former Island Games swimmer crossing the line with her friend hand in hand. Yeah, that was quite a nice touch as well. So we had Alicia Monroe, who's now based in the UK, coming in with Tamsin Stevens, her friends. And yeah, they had a nice run out as they prepare for an ultra marathon abroad. Uh, it's 125k, so good luck to them. <laughs> Always a nice quick one. Yeah, exactly. Always, <laughs> always amazed by people who use a, a full marathon to train for something longer. Just a warm-up race. Like a, a really good event, and certainly the weather was kind um, this weekend too. Jamie and I have been catching up with the organiser of the Shaw Guernsey Marathon, Michael Quittenden, and I began by asking him just how pleased he was to see the race staged in the spring slot that he uh, sort of always envisaged it would be. Yeah, that was um, yeah, was surreal almost. <laughs> That's what we've always talked about this this date in uh, in the calendar. So um, yeah, to actually be able to do that for the first time in three years has been yeah superb. Um, made planning a lot easier, although we had a shorter planning window. Um, logistically it's just been a lot simpler and we're blessed with the weather so couldn't fault that but yeah even with the quite quick turnaround in terms of the distance from last year's event you still seem to put on quite a successful marathon last weekend uh yeah could you please speak through it and like what you thought the key talking points were from the events 
Yeah, I think, um, yeah, we, we were lucky because of the amount of numbers we've had drop out with COVID for volunteers as well, last minute. Um, I think we've even had people WhatsApp me on the morning of the event, ah, I've got a positive LFT. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was logistically simpler in some ways because it's the same route. The first year was completely, well, say complete, it was different because the start-finish setup was in a different location. Um, so this is the second year returning to the same place. So we'd already had a good understanding between the logistics team and Regency events who help us out. Um, um, who, who put up all the marquees in the week leading up. So we had a better idea of timing and things around the logistics because we knew that actually if we set those up on a Wednesday, these tents down at Varzon, say, then that gives us more time on a Saturday to do that bit. So so that I think um, everything's a bit more slick on the setup. Um, so then it was just a case of fielding queries from people and, you know, um, that sort of thing. So, yeah, the guys had a lot more time uh, on their hands, I think. And the Jersey team who came over, because they haven't been able to come over for the first year because of lockdown, they couldn't travel. So last year they came and had a bit of a sighter. So this year it wasn't brand new to them. So, yeah, they had a better idea of timings too. So, yeah, it was a lot easier. I mean, obviously we had a bit of a runaway winner in the end. Very impressive, a Desi Burke from Ireland. Um, but locally we seem to have quite good depth, like... Like, obviously, we had Clink King, fantastic run for top local. And we had another five guys break the three-hour barrier for, I believe, the first time. Even after that, we had some strong performances locally. But, um, yeah, I mean, what really caught your eye competitively? Yeah, I think that's exactly that. It's nice to see the, the same faces really being consistent um, and having a race plan. And, well, I'm not sure quite if Clint's got a race plan, but he <laughs> he does seem to enjoy his running as well. He always looks comfortable um, and almost metronomic at times. Um, but, yeah, it's great that you have guys always going off to Manchester to try and break the three-hour because it's a nice flat route. Yet now they, we've proven they can come and do it over here. So it'll just stay here and do that. So it's less expense, I'd imagine. <laughs> and, and for you as an organiser, um, obviously you want to see the local runners do well. But was it nice to see a visiting runner come and, and, and sort of set the pace? It's the first time, I think, I'm right in saying in seven years that um, a visiting runner has, has topped the podium on the men's side um, in Guernsey. Does that help with sort of marketing and, and kind of whatnot? Definitely so, um, because obviously, like anywhere, where he comes from in Ireland, he's got a strong running community, so he's sort of stirred the pot a bit over there. And now he thinks he's got the course record in his sights. So, I mean, you know, because he didn't really do specific training for this one. So he just thought, I think he just thought, oh, that sounds nice, sort of route um and although so he brought his family over had a holiday so i think now he's thinking oh actually if i trained a bit for this one and now he, know, he knows the course as well he's got an advantage to his fellow um club mates so <laughs> so yeah definitely will help um and also we've got a lot of running tourists coming over as well so we had quite a lot of people who've run in excess of 100 marathons um some had run in over 105 countries and that was the 135th marathon so they're running tourists who literally now they're in the twilight of their running careers they realize they're not going to podium and, anymore so they're literally now just traveling with their families going on holiday running marathons so we've firmly put ourselves on the map with that one with your distance.gg um kind of setup i think you, you've uh, put on some really kind of creative inventive and sort of new challenges um for runners but for you is the marathon the 26.2 miles is that still the kind of that is that the marquee kind of test for any endurance i think um, yes, I think it certainly is for most people. Um, it's, people get more daunted. They're daunted by a marathon as it is. So marathons are now 
I'd say the the regular non-runners sort of mark, landmark is it? It's their sort of event that to to achieve, um, and it's good training for London and other big marquee events that they want to do. So having it locally means that they know people, they've got more support, they feel more at home, and they can train on the route as well, which does make a big difference because then they can visualise different sections and they know where it's going to hurt the most. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's definitely um, for us. It's one of the yeah, it's, it's got to be one of the marquee events because as much as anything, it puts Guernsey on the map, which uh, which is a big plus for all of us. I mean, based off uh, feedback you've got, etc. Do you do you reckon like you've got the course you've set out now, and it seems to have been quite successful for the last two years? Do you reckon that's going to stay concrete as the course for the short Guernsey Marathon? Yeah, I, I, I believe so because I think it takes in the best parts of the, you know we've we've designed it because we didn't think we we're going to get the fastest calls because we'd have to start doing out and backs and safety wise with the police and civil protection we decided that's probably one of the safest courses now um, and it, it does work flow wise so yeah it's probably going to stay the same we might make some tweaks with the relay stations just because based on feedback um, but that's about it so it won't affect the official course for the marathon no just speaking about the relays because obviously that does add a big atmosphere to the event and that really boosts sphere numbers i mean what stood out to you from this year's relay race I don't know. I, I think what always stands out is, is that everyone's the enthusiasm and behind it, everyone's really encouraging anyway. And there is a real competitive side to people that comes out. So into firm rivalry as well, the industry cups. It's uh, and and then there's a lot of real. Um, what really stood out really is the, the amount of people running for a good cause, like uh, obviously Eureka and Vicky, um, people like that. It's, it's incredible to see, and it's that's why I get you know the biggest joy I get out of organising races is is for things like that. You know, people's stories and. And in being able to give someone a platform for that is, is, you know, I think is incredible stuff, sort of humbling almost, isn't it? Just backstory on Eureka and Vicky. Obviously, they were raising money for a fantastic cause, like supporting a bereavement support service. Um, and you will have known the sad news of Richard Friedrich's passing just over a month ago. Um, yeah. Have you got any plans in particular to honour him? Yeah, we have discussed um, potentially having a, a awarding a, having an award for the best, uh, you know, the fastest Guernsey runner on the day. Um, so that's still in discussion. So I think we'd need to speak to Ulrika really to see her thoughts on it. There's only only out of respect as much as anything. But yeah, we definitely need to. And likewise, Peter Head obviously sadly passed away too. Who obviously ran a marathon over here, organised a marathon over here for quite some time. So we need to think about what we can do um, in his honour too. So uh, yeah, it'd be. That's the thing. It's such a big event, really. That there's there's lots so much of history in it that it'd be good to sort of tap into some of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Jamie mentioned the sponsor Shore um, just before. Um, they're on board for a couple of years now. Um, obviously, that will give you, I guess, as organizer, the sort of the certainty and um, kind of the platform to to build the event. How much potential do you think this incarnation of the Guernsey Marathon has to to grow and to bring more visiting runners and, and actually, as you say, put Guernsey on the map? Yeah, it's huge, I think. Um, there's huge potential. I think one of the first um, meetings I had was with Visit Guernsey um, because I think we need to try and get some tour packages together, speak to tourist um, boards and that sort of thing in France and, and, and around the world. So I think that's key to me. Um, and drive demand up for, for beds and flights, that sort of thing. So it'd be lovely to see, because it's a shoulder month as well, where Guernsey's not necessarily too busy, but the weather's getting nice. It'd be, it'd be great to see some more tourists over here for sure. 
Mike Quittenden talking to me and Jamie there. Yeah, really good to see that marathon um, event taking shape again. Um, yeah, it looks like it's well organised and I'm sure there'll be lots of people already eyeing up uh, a crack at it next spring. Um, I might give it a couple more years, I think, before my, uh, my marathon debut. Only a couple, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, OK, well, let's leave it there for part one. Coming up next, we'll be talking netball and basketball. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, supported by Leapfrog Recruitment Consultants. Do give us a follow on social media, at GSY Press Sport. It's the place to go on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you've been following uh, those accounts, you'll have seen some reaction um, to the titles which were decided on the courts um, of Guernsey over the last few days. Um, Basketball and netball both seeing their women's division, or top division crowns, uh, handed out this week. Um, And we're going to be looking back a little bit at that now. Jamie, we were both there on Tuesday night at the grammar school to see uh, Resolution IT Green uh, clinch the Women's Premier Division netball title. Um, A really cracking contest, that one, and a, a title decider all on the line that evening. Yeah, I mean, as you would have seen, it was a really physical and well-contested game. And the two sides, like, really, there was nothing spitting them going into it. It was a genuine, like, anyone could win it moment. Um, But I think Resolution IT Green deserved it in the end. They've... They are serial champions. They've won four of the last five years, but they've been pushed a lot harder this campaign. And I think it's quite nice that a lot of our lower team players have stepped in. For example, Emma Sykes, who's only 17, and she got player of the match, doing an awesome job under pressure at goal attack. Well, after that, I grabbed some reaction from Rez's captain, Tiff Gervais-Brazier. Yeah, absolutely delighted. Um, it was a really competitive game. Uh, it could have gone either way, um, and I think it was only between two or three throughout most quarters. Um, I think we came away by about seven or eight in a, ha- a half time, but then uh, probably got a bit tired and made a few mistakes. Um, but yeah, delighted. Um, I think across the board, we've had um, three wins for Rezzers tonight um, in the leagues. So the plate, um, Rezzers white and um, Rezzers green. So you can't really ask for more than that. Um, but yeah, credit credit where credit's due. You know, Specsavers and Blaze have given taken points off us this season um, and that's just a reflection of how competitive the league is tonight um, it was a really good atmosphere um, we had big crowds on both sides um, and yeah the league is going from strength to strength yeah that's great to hear and for it to come down to uh, sort of head-to-head battle tonight it was really fiercely contested um, did it feel like it could go either way a hundred percent we always start off a bit cautious and a bit nervous it takes us a while to get into our um, find our rhythm a bit um, and it did last week with blaze that could have gone either way um, um, but yeah, to come down to the wire and to have um, a good spectator game tonight and a really physical one was um, really pleased. And just finally, what can you say about your team um, and the sort of spirit and I guess uh, the togetherness you've shown to come through it? Yeah, definitely. This season has been up and down for everybody and start, stop and start with COVID. We've had injuries. Um, as I said, you know, we've had points taken off us um, earlier in the season, which meant has meant that it's gone down to the wire. But um, yeah, really, really pleased to come out on top. Um, and it is our third... Um, consecutive win and from an outsider it might seem that it was a clean sweep but that's really not the case at all Um, as I said it could have gone either way tonight Um, but yeah for me um, Emma and Anna uh, in in the circle tonight were awesome. Rezzers captain Tiff Gervais-Brazier speaking to me there. Another uh, woman on the court that night was Gemma Batiste helping her side to victory. And that was just a few days after she'd uh, been clinching the basketball crown as well with her side, Praxis Pumas. It's in um, the blood, Tony. Yeah, great stuff from her. A busy week. I'm not sure how she really fits it all in. Um, just talk to us about that one because it's been the culmination of a, a long journey for that side. 
I got the sense from speaking to Robin Smith through the season that he couldn't quite believe where his team had got and he was not counting his chickens until that game which ultimately decided the title. Um, They're in a strange situation in that they could confirm the title with a loss as long as they were within a certain margin of points and they honestly saw that slip away in the middle of the game um they were 28 down at one point and they needed to effectively finish within 22 but yeah in the end it was a uh, they lost they relinquished their win streak which they had all season to a very strong team in Comets and they lost 60-42 but celebrations broke out immediately afterwards and yeah it's well deserved Fantastic scene well Jamie and I caught up with uh, Gemma uh, and Robin the Praxis Pumas coach uh, to find out just what that win meant and hear a little bit more about their basketball journey Robin, Gemma great to see you thanks for coming down Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Busy couple of weeks, particularly for you, Gemma, um, across two courts, um, basketball and netball. We'll come on to the basketball in a moment, but let's just start with the netball quickly, because that happened last night. Um, Fresh from helping your team to a title win in the basketball, you you repeated that that same feat in the netball last night. Um, I suppose, how's the body, first of all? Uh, a bit sore, um, legs a bit sore, um, suffering from the game last night, but I think it's the age or anything. <laughs> um, but no, absolutely buzzing for the win last night. It was a really good game, um, really toughly contested. Um, both teams, it could have gone either way. Both teams played really, really well. And that's um, what's great about the netball season this year is that it could have swung in anyone's favour. So it was a... Um, Good for hopefully the spectators last night. Hopefully they all enjoyed it as well. I had no idea that we'd won at the end. I was a bit like, we won? What's going on? <laughs> so, How do you find the, you know, sort of switching your focus from one sport to, to another, particularly, you know, when you've been involved in a, you know, a kind of title ceiling uh, victory on the basketball court last week and then you have to go and do the same in netball? I mean, I've, I've played between the both sports for quite a few years now. Um, and just it sort of comes naturally switching from one sport to the other. I don't really, both, I mean, I think both help each other in terms of you know um when I started playing basketball years ago it was one of the girls um said oh you know you like you you like playing defense you might like basketball it's a bit more physical you might enjoy that and you know I went along and did and that was it and been playing ever since but uh, certainly the basketball has helped my netball fitness um and helped me play out at goal defense and other places on the court so it's you know, something I think both sports complement each other sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Robin, what do you make of Gemma's ability to to kind of flip between the two and, and be successful in both? I think it's outstanding. I think I've 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 had a go at um, summer league and netball, and um, my skills are not quite so transferable. <laughs> I, I think I probably revert more to rugby, which is something I used to play a long time ago. <laughs> no, I, I forget. I forget some of the uh, well, <laughs> called the, up the rules. Yes, <laughs> and I, I'm I'm absolutely convinced that one meter. Um, on the floor measured against me is, is not the same because I think I get called as being too close <laughs> <laughs> and of course the sort of dust is settling on um, your basketball success and it has been a, a fantastic story and I, well, Jamie um, you put together a piece on Robin in the press uh, a few weeks ago just about you know about the side being on the verge of of, of that title I mean Robin just take us through the kind of the, the brief summary of, of how you got to this point as a, as a team well I, I think uh, Jamie's articles summed it up very well they, we, we started off effectively as a youth team and I think the, the, the bit that's well known is that it started off almost by accident because my, my daughter one day said that uh, the coach um, couldn't coach them anymore um, and um, this is about a week before the season so could, could, what are we going to do and I think the pressure was heavily on me 
to say you're going to do it, so I did. Uh, and I, I'm brutally honest, I didn't know a huge amount about coaching the game. I probably still don't know enough about the rules. Um, the referees might comment. Uh, and um, uh, I, I just went into it with a lot of enthusiasm. The kids enjoyed it. I told them they were going to go, it was they would improve and that we would get better. Um, and there was a lot of belief in that and not necessarily a lot of substance behind it, but we did. And I think the kids, we were getting beaten 90 points to five. And by the end of the season, we were losing 60 points to 40. So we're scoring 40 points. And so you could see that progression. And we continued essentially with young players. But one of the problems I've always had is that uh, quite a lot of these kids have gone off to university. So there's a huge recycling thing goes on. And I've, I've worked through it initially with my daughter's age group then uh, to my niece's age groups and a bunch of friends uh, and then it's sort of spread wider than that and I've had uh, Jenny Murphy send me players from uh, future stars like Tia and um, Philippa Wagstaff and um, it's gone on from there and then a few years ago uh, Donna um, asked to join us, Donna Bray asked to join us and then she persuaded Gemma so um, it, we, we've moved on from there and I think Gemma and Donna have persuaded some of the other more senior players to join us which has actually been fantastic and it's um, changed us from being that youth focused team to being a senior team that can that can compete and uh, we just obviously uh, Emma Webb's just joined us and, and so also Rochelle Vodin although she, she's not been able to play much because of a calf, calf issue uh, which clearly is an age issue potentially <laughs> so she's, hopefully that's going to be fixed for next season so that's kind of the transition that it's gone through uh, and it's changed uh, we were close to we, we with Gemma and Donna on the side we had beaten um, Ravenscroft at least in one or two games back in the past and we got quite close but um, then losing more players again and it changes things. So the transition now to having experienced players has made us into a competitive, a very competitive side, if I can put it that way. Uh, and it's fantastic to coach experienced players, which is perhaps not something that I've had in my particular experience. So that, that's, the, that's the, way it's tra- the way it's moved. Yeah. And how much did it mean to the whole squad then, and yeah, particularly for those perhaps who've been, been there from the start, to, uh, to, to win a, an Ireland title? Oh, it's it's absolutely uh, fantastic, and the reaction across the groups because I've still got a, a Facebook group for the whole squad from the start. So we've posted a lot of the stuff back into that group, and the reactions from uh, a lot of people <laughs> has been has been fantastic. So no, it, it's 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 really appreciated um, by all of them, and I've had quite a lot of nice nice comments back from them. It, it is it is it is quite funny because uh, when they consider, I was just chatting with one of them uh, on Saturday night, at actually my daughter's thirtieth birthday party, and she was saying that she remembered when we were getting beaten ninety points to five, and 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 how things changed. So it is it is appreciated. And Gemma, Robin mentioned before about being somewhat of an unlikely coach, you know, not not kind of seeking this out, but ending up, you know, a few years down the line in this position. And what makes what makes him a, a good coach and and sort of stand out as a, as a leader of this team? Um, he has a lot of patience with us, <laughs> which is needed. Um, but no, I mean, Robin's great. He absolutely loves the game. He loves basketball. Um, he, I think he, he says he doesn't know much, but I think you know more than you know. <laughs> um, and he's you know great with us, got a great deal of patience, particularly with you know our development squad as well. We've got the de- practice development team um, who puts in so much time, so committed to the team, um, to both teams, um, and doesn't go unnoticed. You know, we're all very grateful for Robin and all the work he puts in. Um, and he doesn't, you know, of whether or not you get, seem to get phased inside, you don't seem to get phased when we are nine points down or whatever it is. It's still just that calm of, okay, well, we're just going to try this now. <laughs>
<laughs> Inside he might be going, what are you doing? But he doesn't come across, but he's, uh, sometimes we need that air of calm. Oh, well, sometimes I, I like to think it's the belief that we can fix it, but I th- that didn't quite work <laughs> on, on Friday. Quite Friday no. I, think, I think it suddenly went out of reach, but no. And what, what are the things that you've focused on as, as a coach, um, you know, going from, yeah, as you say, coaching your daughter and coaching juniors to, um, to a senior side? What are, what, are, what are the things that you've learned? Well, first, I was a little bit scared, probably, because I think probably some of these guys probably know more. I thought they might know more about the game than I do. So that, that, and, um, but what is excellent is that, of course, you're, you're working with players you don't have to say a lot of things to because they know what they're doing. Um, and the other thing is with the, the junior squad, and having got that senior team, I, I didn't want to lose the touch with the, with the junior teams because what's evident was in the first division it's now so well, in our women's division there isn't a second division in the women's division that if you're a young player you're going to sit on a bench and maybe get three or four minutes in a game and that is crazy there's there's insufficient um uh place for someone to play between sort of our, our future stars program which is excellent which is dealing with people between 30 up to 13 14 or so and then getting on into the league so um, I then thought, well, I need to re- reinvent what we did before and put it back in a junior team, start again, let them get beaten by 90 points to five and let that grow. And the great thing now is I have also got all these senior players who are willing to give them time and spend time with them and, and pu- push and give, give direction that I might not necessarily be able to give. So th- that's, that's, that's kind of the change that's happened for me is that dealing with experienced players actually easier than I thought it might be and then also now the huge contribution to the, the young players. Speaking of the development side of the sport, um, I know Gemma you've sort of been at the top of the uh, scoring statistics for the women's division for a few years now. We recently had Emma Sykes come through and you're sort of, I mean you're kind of in a bit of a battle at the top. What do you have to say regarding Emma who's also your netball teammate and also anyone else who you think's really stood out like from a youth perspective? I mean, Emma is absolutely fantastic. Even, even saw her last night on the netball court. She was, you know, not phased by, I mean, with Lorna and Anaya, really established defenders and just didn't phase her at all. And it's the same on the basketball court, just not phased. And, you know, she just, that game she played against us, what did she get? The first Seven game, she, was, or something. she got five, five 25 three, points. Yeah. And, and that's why we went to man to man that next game. You cannot give her two right. seconds because she will score. So our, our defence was allowing her those two seconds. So we had yeah. to change it. No, she's absolutely fantastic. You've got people like Erin, um, you know, who works so hard for Le Mans Saint um, and is a really strong player. And I think she's got a great future ahead of her as well. Um, and some of the girls in our development team, Keely's doing really, really well. Sam, she got 17 points last week. Yeah. Um, so there's certainly a lot of bright future. I think the future of women's basketball is bright. It's just like Robin said, it's like making sure we bridge that gap between. Uh, there's a few of us going into next year's Island Games who are perhaps coming towards the end of our basketballing or Island basketballing, Island basketball careers. Um, so it's bridging that gap to continue that unbeaten run against Jersey in the interventionist. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you mentioned the Island Games. I mean, yeah, how focused is everyone on that? And, you know, obviously we've had the delay. Um, yes, yeah, some, uh, you know, it's another couple of years for, for people to, to, to kind of to see through, you know, I suppose on the women's and the men's side, do you think we're going to get two strong squads out for that? I really hope, I mean, the advantage of a home games, of course, is, is, is that we don't have to travel anywhere and the costs are relatively slim. You know, we're not having to pay, I think, I can't remember what we've paid to go to Gibraltar. Was it nearly a thousand pounds to go to Gibraltar? So um, it means that we've, you know, everybody is wants can who wants to be involved can be involved. The costs aren't there to sort of put people off. Um, and I think 
certainly on the women's side, there's a lot of competitions for places. Um, there's lots of people coming back, you know, the likes of Rochelle, Kerry Brown hasn't played Ireland um, basketball for a few years. Um, some of the newer players are starting to come along, like uh, Lena from Comets is coming along. Um, we've got Sammy Cox, um, as well as the established other Ireland players who, you know, have been at other previous games. Um, so it's going to be a real competitive process. Um, the COVID hasn't helped. Of course, I don't think for any of the island sports, any of the sports going towards uh, island games will have that in two years. You know, we should have had our island games. It should have been, you know, done with last year. But so it's it has delayed delayed it all. It's protracted um, sort of everyone's the focus. And but I think as we move into the next season, um, next September, I think there'll be a lots of commitment I'm expected training to ramp up really uh, you know quite significantly um, for both the men's and the women's squads and um, yeah it's going to be a very tough process I think for those those coaches for Fez and for, for Pat selecting their, their two squads yeah I bet and yeah I mean you mentioned the, the coaches there they've been very dedicated and yeah. given an awful lot um, to Ireland basketball who knows how many years they'll do that for I mean Robin is that something that's on the horizon do you think an Ireland team I, I, coaching I, I, role I don't know that anyone would necessarily want me for that but uh, <laughs> no I think that um, they, they, all those guys have done such a fantastic job over, over a long time and uh, total respect to them and total respect also for the support that they've given me in terms of assisting me in uh, particular situa- various situations that have happened and also pushing players towards me and certainly Pat and also Ashley Ward have pushed some of the the development players you know I said I wanted to run this team have you got players that you would like to put into that and so that, that's the kind of thing those guys have been doing and they've, they've been doing that for a long time um, all respect to them from from my point of view I, I don't know <laughs> that's a Another story. Again, looking to the future of basketball, possibly even beyond the Island Games. Um, from what I've heard, there are actually plans to set up a potential home for the sports at Les Osway. Obviously, what would that do in terms of actually having that base for the sport locally? I mean, that would, I think Pete's already uh, spoken about yeah. that, hasn't he, in terms of, I don't, can't remember if it was in the press or if it was on a podcast himself, but it would be, it would be huge to have a, a hub for us to us to be in um it's been since Samson has been great sort of filling that void of Beauchesur not being able to use that for the past two years for the vaccination center um but if we can have a bespoke venue that would have adequate viewing arrangements so we're not having to um you know set up seating we've got you know something I, I can't imagine it would be as as big as that but the, the place we played in Gotland I don't know if got, you guys were yeah. in Gotland but that stadium was absolutely amazing that was you rocking know, yeah it was rocking it was you know great viewing as cafeterias and it was just a brilliant hub for for basketball so if we if if we could put out a wish list, having something like that would be great, but I don't, I don't think the um, the budget will stretch that far. Um, but it would be great to have somewhere that we, that we could, you know, somewhere that all the clubs could train at, all the clubs could play our matches at, that we're not competing with the other sports for would be would be fantastic. That's something that we, you know, I think on Ireland we do struggle with the sports facilities, don't we? We'll be, we'll be following it closely, I'm sure. Um, enjoy the off-season and uh, yeah, the celebrations uh, as they continue on both both fronts. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks very much for coming in. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you for having us. Gemma Batiste and Robin Smith from Praxis Pumas there. Uh, congratulations to them on their win and uh, congratulations to Gemma on uh, a, a double triumph this week. Plenty to celebrate in uh, her household. Um, right, let's have a quick look ahead at what's coming up. Rob, you've been following the rugby this week. Yeah, um, the um, Raiders are at 
Albanian this weekend, um, trying to bounce back from um, a really sec- really um, poor second half showing last week against um, top at tabletop. Tabletop as Isha, um, who were mightily impressive. Um, Jordan Reynolds has rung the changes. Basically, he's going to go to Alba- Albanian with more or less a completely new um, front row. And uh, sorry, a set of forwards, as I say. And um, he's made a few changes in the backs as well. It's his round 27 of 30 in the in the National Two season. And of course, Raiders haven't pl- they've got several games t- to play within that sort of 27 game program so they've they've got a really busy end of the season they've got two siams to look forward to so they've got some eight sort of games to come in the last seven next seven weeks it's gonna be really really tough and um no rest so he's just basically having to look at um to utilise, fully utilise the whole squad. There's a start, first start for Mitch Smith, um, one of the Smith boys, the three Smith boys, sons of Mike Smith, one of the Siam Cup stars of yesteryear. And the first start for Liam Welch, who has been showing a lot of promise for the Vikings recently, having arrived in the island late last summer and had looked a very, very accomplished player then, but then got injured. So, um, yeah, he's looking to possibly stamp his authority and perhaps um, add his name to the regular squad for next season. Um, yeah, so they they need to bounce back. Um, uh, they, they need to play better than they did against Old Albanian last time when they were foot slaying, when they beat us quite comfortably, when it was a particularly bad day for um, Jordan Reynolds' side. But... Um, I don't envy them, to be honest. I mean, it's been a really, really long campaign for the lads. They must be very, very tired mentally as well as physically. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed. But I should also be interested this weekend, keeping an eye out on the um, national cricket scores. To see, the county championship started today, and I, and it's, I, I'm led to believe there'll be a bit of cricket being played at the college sometime this weekend. So summer is here. Uh, yeah, sure. Fire sign that um, yeah, brighter days are on the way. Yeah, it's a very, very busy um, next six or seven weeks, to be honest. You know, with golf starting, there's some big golf competitions coming up. The start of, you know, the cricket season, we say, and then the climax of the winter season with the various cup finals. It's going to be an exciting time and, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely packed. A um, couple of things to watch out for locally this weekend. Um a big weekend of motocross potentially uh, all the way out west um, with the Channel Island Championships. Hopefully, see some Jersey riders over for that. The first time that they'll get that sort of uh, yeah that CI Championships um, off the ground, uh, literally, I guess, in the case of the motocross riders. Um, also, down at the Hugues de Pommier, we've got the uh, primary schools table tennis international. So, lots of visiting youngsters over taking part in that. So, best of luck to to all involved there, and also a big. Good luck to Billy Lepulan, our leading boxer, who's off to begin his uh, elite national championships campaign. Um, top seed in that one, having been our first ever finalist uh, last time out. So um, how wonderful it would be if we could see a, a Bailiwick boxer lift a, a national crown. Be fantastic, yeah. He's already crowned Western Counties champion, of course, that so goes in the quarterfinals um, this weekend. We'll be behind him all the way. Well, to keep track of all of that, as I say, make sure you're following us on social media and pick up a Guernsey Press six days a week for the very best local sports coverage. Our thanks again to Leapfrog Recruitment Consultants uh, for their support of the pod and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony.